The Kingdom Rock Network proudly presents the Healing for Today show with Connie Kelly. Join Connie Kelly as she dives into the rich word of God in a way that is humorous, insightful, and educational. It promises to bring healing to your life through the power of Jesus Christ. And now let's join Connie Kelly in today's message entitled, Hindrances to Healing, Part Number One. Well, hello. As he said, I'm Connie Kelly, just in case you forgot. I'm, I'm pretty hard to forget once you learn that goofy name. It's kind of rhymy. Connie Kelly, Connie Kelly. Anyway, so you're looking at me and you're like, Connie Kelly, I know for a fact that you are sick all the time. How do you have any right to get up here and tell us how we're supposed to not be sick? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how come. <laughs> Um, because I do suffer with illnesses and struggle, it makes me want to have knowledge on how to, to deal with that. And I know that God heals. And it says time and time again that God heals. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been a journey. Um, it started like... A year and a half ago that I started really studying healing on my own and um, I had been prayed for by very famous ministers and evangelists and still was so sick couldn't keep anything down at the lowest I weighed 107 pounds I'm healthy now y'all <laughs> I can eat as you can see um but I still, have, I still have trouble with different things, and it seems like once I conquer one thing, another thing steps in its place. So um, first, my first step was trying to figure out was healing for today. Um, next was, was healing for me. Um, and then my last step in this journey has been hindrances and um, things that we do that are not biblical that <clears throat> causes us to not be healed. Um, it's not that God is not pouring it out. He is continuously pouring it out. Um, it's freely poured all day, every day. His goodness was good. It is good and it always will be good. He said in the Bible that he healed um, and he still does today because he's the same always. Um, yeah, so this here is a fountain that my child drew. <laughs> so it's nice, isn't it? I have a point to this fountain. This is to represent God's flow. And I mean, it's powerful. It's just coming down. You know, it's not a trickle. It's not a water hose. It's not a drip. It's continuous, and we've got to decide where we are in that. Some of us, we come up to the cool fountain, the, the beautiful waterfall, and we say, Oh, yes, that was refreshing. Thank you. <laughs> Some of us come up and go, That's lovely. That's lovely. Whoa, that's just not for me. <laughs> Let me try it again. Nope, 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 not for me. Some of us are like little children, and we're like, hey! <laughs> you got a few drips on you, but you really didn't get doused. And then some people, and I'm not there yet, but one day I want to be that person that can just stand there in the flow. 
and just pour and pour and pour and stop being the and the and the ah! I tend to think I do that one. Splish splash, okay. I'm, I'm refreshed now, Lord. I'll come back in a little bit. Um, but that's that's what we do instead of getting right there under there. Um, it's not what God does. It's what we do because he constantly and continuously pours that flow. Um, the things that we do um, that hinders us, not God, God can't be hindered. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He knows your problem. It's us. Are we... A lot of times we do things that pulls us away from God. Um, and sometimes we don't even know it when it's happening. It's um, on the spiritual level. Your body and your mind doesn't really realize it until stuff is really bad. So the first... Um, <clears throat> thing on my list of hindrances is unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is, is just a plague. We all feel like we have the right to judge other people and to condemn them. And, you know, you see them doing something and you're like, look at that fool. What's he doing? And, and, and we don't let go of the things that people do to us because we feel like they harmed us, so we have the right to be angry and to be bitter and to be hurt. Um, when you forgive somebody, it's very important to know that it doesn't mean that you condone what they did any more than God condones your sin when he forgives you. He, when, you when you sin, he doesn't say, oh, it's okay, baby. No, he just forgives. As far as from the east is to the west. He doesn't even remember that you did it once you ask for forgiveness. So we have to forgive others. Um, not just because it sounds nice. And not because it makes us feel better when you do finally let that go. But it's in scripture. Um, if you'll turn to Mark 11. When you have that, say amen. Amen. Um. So Mark eleven twenty five through 26 says, And when you stand praying, forgive if, you, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now I know that we have grace and we have Christ. But we still have to forgive because that's what the Bible says. Um, it, it, if you're taking notes, um, it also mentions that, again, in Matthew six fourteen through 15 and Luke six thirty six through 38. <clears throat> the problem with unforgiveness is that it's not just you have something against someone. Um, it's what it breeds inside of you. Um, unforgiveness breeds resentment, bitterness. It makes you want to retaliate. It breeds anger, hatred, and all of those things make you want to be violent. How can I get this person back? 
Well, when we say we're going to get them back, then that makes us in the position of being the judge. And we can't do that. Jesus is the judge. God is the judge. So um, God says, love others as you love yourself. It, but if you, a lot of us don't love ourselves. We're holding something against ourselves. We hate ourselves for something that we did. So we have to not only forgive others, we have to forgive ourselves. Because if you don't love yourself, you can't do God's word. His simple word was to love your neighbor as yourself. How can you do that if you don't even know how to love yourself? And you have to see your eyes in God's heart. You have to see yourself in God's heart. What does God think of you? Um, if he's forgiven you, it's gone. So you're standing in righteousness with him again. Um, when you are hating yourself and not loving yourself, um, you're saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't, you weren't worth it. So it was just a waste. Because he died for me and you and you. So when you don't love yourself, you're saying that that was just stupid that Jesus did that. It doesn't matter because you're worthless. So you have to find, first of all, figure out why you're mad at yourself. Sometimes we're mad at ourselves for so long we don't even remember what it was. It's just that icky feeling that you constantly don't feel worthy of anything, of anyone else's love or, or I don't know, stuff. Um... You have to forgive others, and you have to forgive yourself. Um, and if you would like a Bible verse that goes along with that, that is Leviticus 19 and 18. Thou shalt not avenge or bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. He is the Lord. He says, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. So therefore, you have to love yourself so that you can love your neighbor. Forgive yourself and forgive everybody that you have a grievance against. It is hard. I have, I've had a long list of really bad things that I really didn't want to forgive. But to seek my healing and... If I'm healed, I can do his work better. And so I did it for selfish reasons because I want to do God's work. The other, um, the second thing that we do that blocks us from healing is personal unrepented sin. It's something that we do constantly and you kind of say, you know what, God, this is my one thing. This is what I'm going to do. Okay? We're just going to be that way, all right? This is what I'm going to do. This is my one thing. I'm good. I go to church. I pray. I read my Bible. But this is my one thing. And when it doesn't matter, you, you shouldn't keep repeating sins once you ask for forgiveness. But we do. That's why Jesus had to die. Um, you might as well just tell him because guess what? He already knows. He does. He already knows what you did. When we don't repent, so excuse me, Lord, I'm going to just... Connie? Yes, Lord? 
Where are you? Um, I'm hiding. Why are you hiding from me, Connie? Because I'm naked. No, I'm, I, I sinned, Lord. Well, don't you think I already know that? Yes, but I don't want you to see me when I sin, Lord. I'm ashamed. But once we ask for forgiveness, along with forgiveness that God gives, we get rid of shame. That's a personal thing. You shouldn't have it. Um, and so, um, John, do y'all want to turn to all these? Or you just <laughs> Maybe I didn't think this through. Um, John 5, 14. John 5, 14 says, After Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. This was something that I had to really pray about and think about. Um, the problem is, yes, God forgives our sin every single time. The problem is, is every time we sin, we're dabbling in the other kingdom. And when we're dabbling in the other kingdom, we open the door a little bit more and a little bit more for the devil to come in. And each time you sin, a bigger, and this is not grammatically correct, but I like it, badder thing comes. Something that drives you further into that kingdom because he's trying to pull you out. He doesn't want you to be in God's kingdom. Um, he doesn't want you to walk in righteousness and forgiveness. And the more you sin and the worse you sin, the more you think to yourself, well, God's not going to forgive this. So, lest a worse thing come upon you, Jesus knows. He, he met the devil in the desert. He knows he's going to offer something bigger, something more sparkly, something more flashy. Okay, this didn't get her. Let me see if this will. That didn't do it. Let me see if this will. And it's a constant lure. Um, you know, if you're fishing for trout, you use a trout lure. And when the trout don't bite, you add a little something to it. You put a little cheese on there. <laughs> then that didn't work. You push some liver on there. That, that's what he's doing. He's, Jesus was the fisherman for men. But Satan does it too. And he's like, look, I got a new one. Don't it look tasty? <laughs> um... But, you know, always don't be prideful and not ask God to forgive you. Um, because, like I said, he knows. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know. It's not like me going to Miss Ware and go, Miss Ware, I really hate to tell you this, and I know you're going to be real mad, but I ate a box of the Life cereal today. And not only did I do that, I left the box in the back half open where the rats can eat it. She's going to be mad at me, and it might take her a few minutes before she trusts me with life cereal again. <laughs> but God's not like that, thank, thank God. Um, and like I said before, the devil's 
little games always come with a price. It's always something more's coming, something worse is coming. And um, which led me to think about just one day I was sitting there and I go running in the bedroom and I go, Ken, I got it. He said, what? I said, now I know why they say there'll be hell to pay. <laughs> because you, every time you're doing that, you're just, here you go, devil, have some more. Here you go, devil, have some more. God's gift is free. His forgiveness is free. We don't have to pay a fine when we say a bad word. We don't pay a fine when we lie. But I can guarantee you, you pay a hefty fine every time that you sin. And the devil's making bank, Jack. He is. Um, another, the third thing um, is family sins. Now, this was not something that I really wanted to get into. I kept saying, nope, not going to have that one because I can't pay for all their junk. They were bad. They were some bad people. Um, but, you know, in the Bible it says that each generation, I think it says five generations, will pay. But what, what we forget is that can be broken. It's not something that has to loom and linger over your life. So you need to, and I've heard Pastor Stroud pray for a, a spirit of something to be broken over your family. Um, but generational curses is what we today call genetics. It's a cur If you're not blessed, you're cursed. Healing is a blessing. Being in pain is a curse. If you're not being blessed, you're being cursed. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, the plague of 85 million locusts would come eat your crops. That's what that meant. But what I, I realized um, and really getting into it, um, you know, if you have a family history of high blood pressure and your mama had high blood pressure and your daddy had high blood pressure, what that is is stress in your life. Now, sometimes high blood pressure can be just you have high blood pressure. But a lot of times when you have high blood pressure, it's anxiety and stress that you can't deal with. And your mama didn't deal with, and her daddy didn't deal with it. And so you need to learn to turn that anxiety and stress over to the Lord. And that's where, when we do that, we take it out of God's hands and we play with it and then we set it back down with him and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready for you to have it now. No, wait a minute. I don't think you got time for it. No, I'm ready. I'm done with it. No, you're real busy, God. So, you know, he, he has all the time in the world. Guess what? He doesn't sleep. We, we waste, you know, a good eight hours a, a day sleeping. He doesn't even sleep. He's over there messing with your thing while you're asleep. He's handling it. When you were daydreaming and when you were cleaning and not thinking about your problem, God's still working on it. You can't work on your problem 24-7, but God can. So you just need to lay it down and get rid of it. Um, other things we pass down generation to generation that's considered a curse. Temper. That is something that, in my life, I saw a lot of. 
Um, and it, you know, we're Irish. We get mad, we get real mad. And then on the other side, we're Indian. And if we don't like you and you make us mad, we'll scalp you. <laughs> so I have a long line of bad tempers and it's taken me a good long time to get a hold of it. And Ken and I have been married for 19 years and bless him, he's only seen my real temper three times. And thank God, none of those were at him. Um, you know, I speak in tongues and my head spins and nobody knows what I'm saying. I'm so thankful for that. Um, <laughs> so I have to ask for forgiveness for that too. Um, but you know, to, the opposite of temper is temperance. And to have temperance, we have to get out of our physical flesh and let God handle it. Because, you know, I'm like Miss Ware said the other day, I just want to choke you. So, you know, but God wants to show that I'm better than that, and he's better than that, and we can be a better example of what a Christian is by not doing that. And we ruin our witness when we do that. When we act a fool and act like lunatics, we ruin our witness. I'll never forget I was in Hiram driving down the road, and I'm a silly girl, we all know that. And in front of me, there was a car that had honk if you love Jesus on it. So, beep, beep. And he threw up his hand, not to worship, but to tell me a special little something. He did not, in fact, want me to honk if I love Jesus. He thought I wanted him to go because the light had turned green. Um, he forgot his Christianity for a second. <laughs> And I said to myself, I love you anyways. Um, but you know, we, we ourselves give Christianity a bad name sometimes. People will look at you right in the face and go, I just can't believe you're a Christian. I can't believe you told me you were a Christian. Well, yes, but the thing about Christianity is we're not under the law. We don't live by the law. And thank God we're saved, and we're not going to go to hell for all the things we do. Um, but I, I like to call church sinners anonymous. You know, some people who don't go to church kind of say, you bunch of hypocrites. You just go in there, and you act all one way, one during the week, and you go in there and praise your Jesus. Well... It's Sinners Anonymous. We all need this. Hi, my name's Connie. I've been in Sinners Anonymous for 26 years. I'm hoping to get my token soon. I haven't received that. So I think when you graduate and get a token, I don't think I'm going to get it. I don't think any of us ever graduate Christianity. It's always, they call it the Christian walk. They never say the Christian sit, the Christian lay down. Christian, take a nap. I wish that was in there. I like a nap. Um, another thing that we do, you know, and you can think about the things that you're, that generationally and genetically has been passed down to you. Um, but another thing that we don't think of, and this is, I, I have done most of the things on this list. Don't you judge me. Um, this is in my family. One side of my family 
are Indians. I did not see this as occultism until I really got to thinking about it. Um, you know, my granny would, people would bring their kids to my nanny's house and apparently she could blow in their mouth and get rid of thrush. But it was a conjure, as they call it back then. And so, you know, constantly I was under that. And so it just seemed like life. It was normal. Um, reading your horoscope. I did this for years and not really put any value in it. I'd be like, ha ha, I'm gonna find my true love today. Um, I would even read my kids. Well, look at there, McKenna's gonna get a job in her field and she's only six months old. She is just so fantastic. Um, but you know, a lot of people, we can, we can read that and laugh, but a lot of people really believe those things. But what horoscopes are is not just something silly printed in the back of the newspaper. It's not something silly that is posted on your Facebook page every day, it tells you what's gonna happen. It's not newsfeed. It's worshiping the stars. And why would you worship something, thing, when you can worship the one who created them? Why would you let that have control over your life when you can let the one who made those control you? Well, he doesn't control you. He gives you free will. But you know what I'm saying. Um... You know, Wicca worships nature. And I think that's a lot of what my grandmother did. Um, you know, if you light a candle that's this color, it'll, you know, ward off this. And um, something that I personally did as a child, I had no more idea of what that was or what she was calling on. I still don't to do this. But um, I had a ward on my finger. And we were poor. There was, there was no go getting some compound W. You know, our, our money went to food. And um, so she says, okay. The ward got so big that when I would try to ride at school, it would break up and bleed all over my paper. So she was like, okay, Connie, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna go and you're gonna steal Miss Gravit next door's dish rag. And you're gonna hide it under her doormat and you're gonna leave it there for a week. Okay, I can do that, so I sneaky sneak over to Miss Gravit's house. I don't know what even possessed me. I loved that woman like she was my own grandma. She's the one who introduced me to God and took me to church and would take me to her house and give me a bath and roll my hair on Saturday night. And here I am, I'm gonna sneaky sneak over to Miss Gravit's house. So I still, and Miss, Miss Gravit wasn't much better off than we were. And I steal that poor lady's dishcloth and so proud of myself, I hide it under there. And I wait my week and I get it out and then, then you had to rub it on the wart. So many times I don't remember and you had to say something, I don't remember what that was. And then you had to go and bury it in the woods, so far in the woods and so deep that nothing ever dug it up because then your wart will come back. Okay, number one, we know this is not of God because number one, I was told to lie. I was told to steal. You know, that, that absolutely is occultism. That absolutely is. And 
I grew up my whole life thinking, oh, that's normal. When my kids get a word, I'm going to tell them to do it. That was handy. Um, but, you know, you have to break that off your life. If your family continues to do that, witchcraft, Wicca, um, Chinese calendars. I have a friend who called me like two weeks ago and was like, Connie, I know why me and Kenny aren't getting along. Our Chinese calendar characters are not in alignment. I said, oh, dear Jesus, please go get a divorce. I said, are you kidding me? You think the horse is going to eat the rat because it's the year 2013? No. <laughs> I said, you know, throw that away. Don't pay attention to that. Number one, you're not Chinese, you're Italian. And number two, <laughs> you know, believe in what God says and not some garbage that you get as your placemat to spill food on at the Chinese restaurant. And while you're at it, whatever those numbers were on the back of your fortune cookie, play those for me for the lottery, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The numberology is also a no-no. <laughs> um, so break them. Stop them. Every time you have, you're like, I'm just going to see what my horoscope says today. Just know that is silliness. Look in the Bible and see what God says today. Look, in, look and, and remember what God's promises are. His promises are so much better than some silly lady with a turban on her head and a piece of glass in front of her can think up today. Because that's all she's doing. Um, do I have one? Okay. Um, lack of faith is my fourth reason for um, a hindrance. Let us go to Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm sure that there are several of you that can quote that word for word. But just in case you can't, Hebrews 11, 1, and also I learned something at the Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center that Hebrews is the faith chapter. Um, Hebrews 1, 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So it's something that you really would like, but you, it's not here. It's not evident. Um, the key with faith is to realize not that you just want it and that you have hope for it. The key to faith and prayer are that God hears you. Because in the Bible it says when we pray, he hears us. You have to remember that. God, you're not just speaking into the wind. Your, wind, your words aren't just blowing by. Um, he hears you and he loves you enough to do something about your situation. Whether it's pain, whether it's you don't have enough money to pay your bills, whether it's you want to have a baby or you need a new car or you want a job or whatever, all the things that you can hope for in life, that's faith, is knowing that all those hopes, that God cares enough to say, here you go, honey. Here you go, I heard you. I know you need it. Here you go. Just like when our kids call to us, you know, McKenna, 
has faith when we go into Walmart if she has been good. So I don't believe in spoiling those children's. That if she has been good all week and she is being nice, she has pretty good faith that I'm going to buy her something. Most of the time, her faith is correct. <laughs> Whether it's a $2.50 bouncy ball or a $20 Barbie doll, if she has done what I deem to be necessary, I will reward her with a substance not yet seen. <laughs> she has not ever held this variety of Barbie in her hand before. Um, we have to remember to put an actual physical picture on those things because we'll forget. Our minds are just so shallow and sieve and things just pour out. Is that a word? You know, it's sieve. Sivvy. Okay, no. I'm going to make it up a word. There you go. Write that down. Um, it just things pour in and out in our thoughts, and we, we think we want something, and tomorrow we change our mind. You got to make sure that when you really do ask God in faith, there's something you really need, and it's something that in God's Word He's going to provide, not just, I want Alexis. I hope for Alexis. It is a substance in which I do not have. I have a Honda. Um, you know, it, it has to be biblical. Or he's, you know, if you just say, I really want my hair to be long, unless you have some dollars to go and get a wig or a weave, in time, God will let your hair be long. It's called growth. Um, but you have to make sure that it's something that he promises. He promises help. He promises prosperity. Prosperity does not always mean dollars. Prosperity means living well. Having, I got up today and it didn't hurt. That is a prosperous life for me. Prosperity is feeling well enough to go get a job if you need money. Prosperity is the wealth of the Lord. Some people think that means dollar signs. It does not. I'm here to tell you. Um, if you would like to look more into that, um, my favorite verse on this, and there's a million quadrillion, and that is a number, um, <laughs> in my mind, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, um, we will turn to it because I, I, now that I can turn to it, I'm gonna. Jeremiah 29, 11. Hey, all my things have a 1 or 11 in it. That's weird. Um, For I know the thoughts that I think th towards you, says the Lord. This says, saith. I like says. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give to you an expected end. So each it is expected in. This is not forever. Your suffering is not a long time. I have plans and thoughts toward you to give you peace and whatever you're going through right now, an expected end. It's not, we don't, it doesn't say, Yay, I walk through the valley of death and I lay down and die. It says I walk through. 
that we're not laying there and the buzzards aren't picking our carcasses. Well, they could if like you laid there a long time and you let Satan play with your mind a little bit and pick you to death. But if you are actually reading the word and confessing the word over your life, you're not going to lay there and let the buzzards pick you to death. You'll be like, come on, Lord, let go. You said that was going to be end. There's a sign. Exit, folks. I'm out of here. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fixing to be just having something that I know I don't deserve. And God says, I know the thoughts I think toward you. I don't think he thinks that I should, you know, lay in the desert and rot. I don't think that he thinks I should starve to death or um, be in pain all the time or suffer from depression and not be able to get out of the bed or cry because the clothes came out of the dryer wrinkledy, which I only did that once when I was pregnant, okay? I was emotional. Uh, so, so he has plans for you. It's not, maybe not your plans, but he has plans for you, and they're good, and they're wonderful. Can you imagine if you could plan the most awesome life for your own kid? how magical and wonderful that would be. That's God for us. If we just act right, you don't want to be blessing all up on your child when they act bad. McKenna act like a fool in the parking lot, run out in front of a car. I am not going to, in faith, give her the substance in which she had not seen because that would be rewarding bad behavior. And even though God is good, he does not do that. He doesn't say, oh... You hit that lady with your car on I-20 today, and you didn't mean to, but you kept going. But you know what? I'm going to keep the cops from finding you. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> Though some people probably wish he would. Anyway, so next week we are going to... Oh, wait a minute. I wanted to say one more thing about faith. Um, in the dictionary... I, you know, lots of people like the Strong's Dictionary or a Bible Concordance Dictionary. Me, myself, I like Webster and those because a lot of times you see how the real world still reveals back to the Bible. And that's good. I like that. So in the Webster's Dictionary, faith is defined as confidence or trust in a person or thing. Faith in God is confidence and trust. That just really brought a whole new meaning to faith for me. Because though I know what the strong says, and I know what the concordance says, it didn't say confidence. And it didn't say trust, even though we say, you know, trust in the Lord. It just, I don't know why that was like, duh, hello. Of course you have confidence. Of course you trust God. He's not going to give you a snake instead of what you asked for, if it's good and it's his purpose. So we will continue next week um, because this was the hour of power. Um <laughs> And I thought I wasn't going to have enough to say. Anyway, so we still have six more things to go over next week. So um, 
I pray that you all have a good evening. And I think Pastor Stroud is actually going to come up here and give you some very pastoral prayers. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.